Folks, this week on the Pre-Real Podcast, we're joined by Mike, the CEO and founder of Growth Capital Group. So Mike has been a, an intermittent investor in real estate for most of his life. One family, two family, a deal here, a deal there. Over the last three years, they have stacked 1,100 units in the multifamily space, uh, and they did it the right way. They kept their eye on inflation rates and what was going to happen when these bridge loans came due. They were very selective in their loan product. They were very smart with rate caps. Uh, they really paid attention to the deals. If you're if you're interested in listening to a pro uh, and how they built at unbelievable scale, uh, give the show a, a listen this week. It really a tremendous amount of value. We get in the weeds quite a bit. It's a good one. You don't want to miss it, folks. Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of Pre-Real. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre-Real Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Pre-Real Podcast. We're joined today by Mike DeRosier. He is the CEO and founder of Growth Capital Group. So Mike is a multifamily syndicator, uh, focuses on what I call elbow grease properties, value-add propositions, uh, extensive background in education and asset management, acquisitions, investor relations. He's a GP in, at last count, at least, Mike, according to our research, was 13 multifamily projects through 10 syndications, 1,100 units, and $100 million in assets under management. Did I get Did I get it close? Very close. Yep. Well, congrats, first of all, on uh, we were talking offline on the, the fairly new addition to the family. God bless. Thank you. And uh, man, that's a heck of a portfolio that you've put together. And, you know, the listeners in the audience, it's pretty wide audience. We have some really seasoned investors, a lot of mindset folks, um, but we also have people that are looking to make the transition, folks that are looking to step out of um, their current path, if you will, and pursue this life of, as the the TikTok investors say, this life of freedom. I'm, I'm still looking for that part, but um, looking to get into the game. So I think it's interesting if we can kind of always go back a little bit with the guests and talk a little about your background and how you ended up in the real estate game, if you will. Sure. Yeah, you bet. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've been, been around a long time and I've been in the, I've been an entrepreneur for quite a long time. I've been in multiple businesses, mostly in the marketing uh, sales kind of type of businesses, but uh, it's include, including the, you know, the food industry, the, uh, uh, satellite industry, the limousine business, car business. I've been in all kinds of businesses, but um, all along, um, and uh, you know, it's the real estate that I purchased on the way. And it's interesting because I remember I was probably 18 years old, 19 years old, and, and rented my first office uh, for my business. I was in the, the meat business, food business. And the landlord that I was renting it to, he told me he's an older guy, probably, you know, 60s, 70s at the time and, and owned this whole building that I was rent, you know, where I was renting. And he just, and he just wanted to give me that little, uh, uh, 
you know, advice. And he said, he said, you know, I was an electrician for 40 years. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I just closed my doors of my business, but the real estate that I bought in those 40 years made me wealthy beyond belief. And I always remember that. And you know what, it's been so true for me. So to answer your question, it's really been that path. And I've been involved in these different businesses. They've all given me kind of good lifestyle and, you know, vacations and homes and, you know, and things, but the real estate investments that I purchased along the way with the money from that is at the end of the day was really what created the major wealth for me. And uh, so I've always, always had rentals of one type or another, mostly all single family. Uh, I got only got into the multifamily space just a few years ago and got lured in through, you know, some of these education systems as many do. But for me, it turned the light on super fast because I'd already been involved in real estate. Uh, I knew the potential. Uh, I have other friends that are involved in multifamily, but you know, you look at these large buildings of, you know, 100 units or 200 unit complex, it might be 10 or $20 million. And, you know, initially, you just don't think that's something you can be part of, right? It's just too much money, right? It's just too much money. But um, after kind of learning the syndication process, and, you know, bringing in, you know, if the ability to raise capital, bring in investors to help help with that, and how that's all positioned, where you're not going out and asking for money, you're not asking to borrow money or anybody to, you know, uh, you know, just to give you money. You're basically giving an opportunity for them to come in and ride the ride with you. And positioning it that way makes it a whole different, uh, it's just a game changer. So anyway, getting, uh, following that path, uh, learning, you know, through the education of the process and, you know, accurate underwriting and, how to raise capital and how to position yourself and, you know, legally raise capital, you know, as in a syndication, all started coming together. And I was uh, able to, to do that. And so I got into kind of my first, first property I actually bought on my own uh, in Las Vegas. I live in California. And that was another kind of aha moment in this education is like, how do you buy out of state? How do you really buy something that you're not really can't run to in a, in an hour, you know? And uh, so I bought in Las Vegas, kind of testing those waters out, realized that was not very hard at all. Um, got invited to participate in somebody else's uh, syndication as a capital raiser to come in on the GP side and uh, was able to do that through a little of my own money in as well as raising some, some capital, not a whole lot, but you know, it kind of got that ball rolling. And also with my uh, business experience, I was able to help that syndication team, that operators uh, in other ways, you know, just as far as systems and processes and how things were, uh, you know, going because they were growing uh, very fast. So they really liked that. And then they just kind of kept inviting me into more and more deals. And I started bringing more and more to the table uh, as a partner. And then I got invited, you know, met some other operators. I came into a 426 unit property in Kansas City and, you know, raised a little over a million dollars for that property. And um, yeah, so it just kind of grew and grew. And I just, I enjoy it. So, so you, fast. You, you covered a lot of, of ground and a lot of things that are pinch points for folks. So if I can, I want to just go back and, and address a few of the things sure. that we, we touched on. So you're 18, you're renting a space. 
and um, this landlord explains to you that uh, 40 years in the business as an electrician, you know, kept the lights on, but real estate is what built the wealth. Was that an aha moment for you? Was that like something you can point to, or was that just one piece of a puzzle? You had mentors in your life at that point that were bringing you down a path of real estate, or was that really like a, a, a moment for you? Well, it's certainly a moment because, you know, I mean, at my age now, and I still remember that, you know, right, going way back. Uh, but uh, I wish I would have followed that trend farther, faster and harder. But, you know, I did. I mean, I, again, I had already had, I, you know, bought my first condominium at age, you know, 19 and, you know, rented it out, you know, moved out to another house and then rented it out and so on. So it did start that path for me. And I've always had that in my mind. So, but yes, I guess that was really an aha moment for sure. So you start to stack assets. You're sticking primarily in the single family space. This is quite, optically, it's quite a leap. In practice, it's not. And I think you were, you were making reference to that. Uh, as you grow and scale the systems, if it's a, a 10 unit building, uh, in your backyard, or it's a hundred unit building a state away, the process is not all that different. It's really not. Um, I think that most of the trip hazards for folks in that process occur right here. Mindset is the number one limiting factor for most investors that are trying to make that transition, take that step. And uh, I know for us, it took far too long for me to recognize that the business acumen, the experience, the um, just talent in understanding how to identify, how to source, how to negotiate, close real estate transactions, and the deal, um, you know, the deals that we're, we've, we've acted on over the years are we call them unicorns, um, you know, but they keep coming around. If, if you're in the right places at the right times, uh, these things continue to come around. And it took me far too long, Mike, to understand that's the value. That is the opportunity. You're not, if you're going out begging for someone to participate in your deal, you've either got it entirely wrong in your head or the deal is entirely wrong. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. So you transition in and start to take down large projects, projects not in your backyard. That's a process that involves increasing your circle of influence. Um, that includes learning and understanding and training. Could you give us a little bit of detail on uh, a few pointers for those that are out there looking to take this step up in class. Try and give me some specifics. Like what are things folks should be doing now if they wanna try and make that step? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, education is really the key here because this is a business that you really can't fake it until you make it. I mean, you, you can if you're buying your own property, you know, single family and, you know, maybe even doing it with, you know, your mom and dad's money or something. But if you're really, really raising capital from investors and bringing, you know, money in, especially in these large properties, you got to know what you're doing, or you have to have a team that knows what they're doing. So 
if you're not, you know, the, the, uh, the smartest thing to do is to partner up with somebody who is, and then you, you are, you know, it's like I tell, uh, you know, I, I bring in partners all the time. I partner almost uh, pretty much on all of my properties, right, one way or another. And this is a team sport, you know, to really nobody takes these large properties down by themselves. They can't. And if you did, I mean, they could, but, you know, if you took even a 20 unit or 50 unit, I mean, it's going to consume your life, right, for forever, right, five, five years or however long you're running this. But when you have a good team around you and some really part, some partners that are, that are educated in these, uh, you know, a great underwriter and a great, you know, uh, person to handle financing and, you know, to handle the, the operations and the asset management, it happens much easier, much quicker, and you're able to excel much faster because you can quickly get into additional properties and keep building a portfolio because it's really easy for these people to do these jobs, right? And uh, that makes it, it really does make it a lot more fun. It, it really does. And you as an individual, no matter how much education you have in this uh, space, by surrounding yourself around these people, you know, every day and, and all, you know, on all these, you know, hundreds or thousands of Zoom calls, you know, whatever, but you're learning every single time. So it's, it's a very quick learning curve. And uh, as you said, it's... Uh, in this business, it's also it is about how you uh, who you know, and it's about being uh, in the uh, right place at the right time, which is meaning like being around the right people that come up with these opportunities, because you know you're 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 working with some individuals that are in the fast lane. They're doing they're doing this this business. They come up with deals all the time. And they're constantly putting deals together. And so they initially are going to reel in people that are kind of close in their inner circle. And uh, that's, that's where you want to get into that inner circle. So uh, I want to touch on two of those points. And then I have a specific question on the education. When you say uh, really is uh, comes down to who you know and, and putting yourself in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, for the audience, that does not reflect a closed system process it used to be that way it is not now by putting your but by, by knowing the right people that means you're doing the grunt work you're getting out there you're in, increasing your circle of influence you're making sure that you're uh, reaching out you're attending masterminds you're going to seminars you're going you're putting yourself you're creating your own luck right it's not going to fall out of a, the back of a truck for you, but it is not a closed system. If you want to get into real estate investing and you want to skyrocket up through the ranks and you are intentional and you attack this uh, with a relentless approach, the, the literally every tool is available to you if you're putting yourself in the right place. Uh, and and you're with the right people at the right time. There's pathways now to do that that don't require a ton of capital. Um, they require hard work. They require dedication, intentionality. But that's about it. If if you have those tools, uh, I, I believe that anybody can enter the space. Now it doesn't mean you're going to walk in and, and you're going to be Mike with you know 100 million in. AUM, that's not going to happen, but that's what you build to, right? That's how you 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 climb the chain. Um, you talked uh, about education twice. What are some specific resources? Is it uh, podcasts, books? Is it paid courses? 
What have you found to be the most valuable resources for folks? Where can we point them to start? Absolutely. Well, all of the above. I mean, obviously the the, the podcast, the um, there's a lot of free education out there for sure. And that's a great place to start. Uh, there's some paid education and that's a fast lane way to start. Um, I did do that. I, I'm not an easy sell, believe me. When I come, I'm the guy, I'm the guy in the timeshare presentation that's got his arm closed and going, you're not selling me. There's no way, right? <laughs> that's not going to happen. And I was very leery uh, going into that because, you know, they're the uh, they're selling the sky and the moon and, and you know, in a dream. But uh, it started to just make more and more sense. And, and I kept getting drawn into more and more and more. And I was following kind of the least expensive path going forward. Um, but eventually just bought in and got into the, the, the full uh, education and coaching and process. I came through RE Mentor, which is uh, you know, David Lindahl. He's uh, wrote several books on the industry, been around for quite a long time. And they're based at the East Coast, but they're all, they're all over. And I came through their system. Um, but there's and there's many out there that are just terrific. Uh, you know, they all kind of teach the same thing. Honestly, it's not this is the multifamily space and syndication is not uh, anything that's you know different. Um, but you know, maybe they teach it different ways or have different uh, you know processes through it. But uh, one thing I like about our mentors is their their uh, support system. They have a terrific networking uh, group. They've been because they've been around so long, so they put on many events and gives you great opportunities to meet others in the space. But uh, again, no matter how much education you have and uh, where you are in space, it's really about you applying yourself. Uh, determining what you're good at, coming up with your, you know, superpower, as they say, or where you, where you feel you can really stand out. You don't have to do it all. You don't have to be an excellent everything. You just got to be really good at something and get even better at that. And then you become valuable. And these others that aren't, you know, so good. Underwriting is an example, right? Because I use that all the time. I, I can underwrite. I can read the spreadsheets. I do Excel all the time. Uh, I understand them, but I'm not the guru on, on Excel. I'm not the guy who wants to be up at two o'clock in the morning in front of a spreadsheet, you know, calculating. But I have partners that are, right? I have partners that email me at two o'clock in the morning with, you know, hey, I got, you know, I have this and look at this. And, you know, well, I'm, I'm asleep, but, you know, I see when the email came in and, and they're the type that stay up in the front of those Excel spreadsheets all night. And that's the perfect partner you want when you're not that, right? So. And the other token, like they hate going to maybe networking events or, you know, socializing and, you know, maybe these events or something. Right. And so I really love doing that. And so together we're able to get the deal flow going. Right. And actually be able to do something with it. I have another partner who's, you know, been, was a contractor for many years and he does a lot of the asset management for us. And so he just you know, he can look at these uh, quotes, uh, he can size up a property, he can walk to a property and pretty much tell what's going to be needed for the CapEx on that property, uh, you know, all in about 20 minutes. And that's a, that's a really big help for our team as well, too, right? So it's just those kind of people or partners that, um, uh, you know, work together as, a, as, as one. It's pretty awesome. So uh, 
jack of all trades master of none is is not applicable in the syndication world and i think that um you to for those of us that have grown businesses and have come from humble beginnings that's kind of the only way we know that you you kind of have to have your hand on everything we think we do and we we build a model that works <laughs> but then you get into the syndication world and you find that you don't want someone that's a jack of all trades and master of none for me it was particularly difficult to put that mindset down <clears throat> and find my superpower as you had referenced right there just because i can read and interpret spreadsheets just because i can do cost estimating just because i can uh Put, apply a vision to an asset because I can source deals doesn't mean I should be doing those things. <laughs> and in the syndication space, excuse me, it's it's about finding your superpower, your gift. What are you absolutely best at? What is it that you're willing to take that responsibility for your team that you are the point person on that specific discipline and you don't have to worry about those other areas because you have counterparts and you have other people in your syndication that are absolutely experts in those areas so uh for me that was particularly difficult of a mindset to break um what is your superpower what is is your gift in these deals yeah yeah james well i come out of the same mold obviously as you do so i i was the same being an entrepreneur all of my life in these different businesses i was really a jack of all trades but a master of none right so uh, I had the ability to put things together. I had the ability to, to uh, you know, keep a business going and and you know, cut corners where needed. You know, cut expenses and so forth. But uh, but yeah, never really kind of had a big master of anything. And when I got into this at first, what, the thing that I thought I was going to be uh, the strength that is is acquisitions and being able to do broker relationships and. Um, and, and be able to get the properties under contract. I really thought that was going to be my strength, right? Because I feel confident in that level and I still do, but I realized quickly that takes a lot more time than I expected, right? Just the broker relationships, the phone calls and, you know, the multiple calls, and then they're firing all these deals at you and you got to review them and get back. And, um, then I kind of got on, uh, I also felt strong in the capital raising side. And so I, uh, when I was able to get involved in my first deal, that obviously had to turn that pipeline on and got into that side. I really realized I really like that a lot better. I love deal. I love dealing with the investors themselves because I feel like, um, you know, it's more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And, you know, I'm, I being an investor and being an entrepreneur and being in that, you know, position, you know, for many years of, you know, some businesses, did, you know, sometimes did really well and I had money, but not necessarily knowing what to do with that money and how to make money on that money. Right. I did put it into real estate, but it was in the, you know, in the single family. So I, anyway, the conversation flows for me uh, much easier and I really enjoy that. So I kind of came in more on the capital raising side, which uh, obviously you know, when you start raising capital, especially in larger amounts, you know, I've raised upwards of about 20 million at this point. And, you know, you do become the bell of the ball, right? Everybody wants, you know, you all of a sudden get Christmas, you know, cards from you know, everybody, right? Because yeah, everybody needs the money. Um, but, uh, you know, and I don't take that lightly for sure, right? I mean, I, I 
truly value my relationships in, in the industry for other operators and so forth, my, certainly my partners. Uh, but I really like being able to deal with the, uh, the investors direct one-on-one. I enjoy those conversations. I enjoy meeting them. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's not a one-off call or conversation. It's, you know, it's a, it's a lifetime uh, relationship that you're building with these people and taking the responsibility of their money, which is extremely important, right? But I, uh, with my uh, jack-of-all-trades background, you know, I, it, it does give me the ability to vet other operators and vet deals, um, you know, pretty quickly and, and uh, you know, get a really good sense of who are good operators and who aren't and, you know, and that kind of thing in the business, which is important as a capital raiser, right? Because you can't raise capital for everybody. You're just going to do it for, you know, you're going to come into deals and teams and partners and I have maybe three, uh, four partner teams that I work with that I really, you know, trust and like and, and, and do most of my business with. So your holdings now, um, I think it was Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas City, Vegas, and California. Is that correct? Yep, correct. So you're not afraid to decentralize. Um, you're an emerging markets guy. You're looking for that upside which we are as well. Um, I'd like to talk for a few minutes about the status of these emerging markets. I think that there is a permanent shift underway. Um, I think that there's this decentralization from many of the big cities that is very real. It's very underreported. And I believe it's here to stay. Um, the some of the impacts post-COVID where bigger companies began to adopt this work-from-home strategy, whereas before that was very much frowned upon. As I was coming up through the ranks, you were first in, last out, six days a week, seven days a week. If there was an eighth day, the, you, know, you, you were there. That's really evaporated pretty quickly. And, and I think some of the big firms have said, you know what, all of the work... Uh, office issues and drama and headaches and lawsuits and insurances. I think that they've recognized that there's a more efficient way, as you had pointed out earlier, finding those angles, trimming expenses. I think that the bigger companies have had to get a little leaner and meaner, and that's one of the ways that they're doing it. Um, and COVID opened the door for that. And, and to me, that means that you don't have to live in a less than ideal uh, place, because not all of us are in love with the big city, not all of us are in love with the hustle bustle, the rat race, um, and folks are opting for quieter, safer, cleaner, less expensive places to call home. And I believe that that is going to have a continued impact, at least for the rest of my professional investing career, and we're betting heavily on emerging markets. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that statement and beyond, of course, you know, what are your insights on these emerging markets? Yeah, I, um, I mean, I think I feel the same. I think that the, you know, kind of whole work from home thing, uh, you know, it's gonna, I, there'll be a lot that to go back for sure. And some, you know, are already kind of proving that. Of course, there's a lot of kickback and, you know, and fight <laughs> from that, from the employee st uh, status. But 
there's certain businesses that certainly can and don't, you know, can, can, they've learned now that they can efficiently have people working from home. And, you know, that's, you know, the, the water cooler talk that goes on in the offices uh, ends up being just really a lot of wasted time. And certainly the commuting time to, to and from so on. So I think you can have much happier employees and, and really be uh, way more efficient with your time if you, you know, if you're working from home, if you have that, uh, that mindset for sure. So I do see that. The emerging markets are something I always keep the, uh, the, the pulse on and, and looking for where that growth is happening because that's where we like to invest. Um, it doesn't guarantee success, but it certainly puts a feather in your cap and, and it makes it a better uh, you know, likelihood of, of success in that market. Um, yeah, so we're, you know, it's, it's the jobs, it's the, uh, you know, the job growth also we do follow because, uh, you know, companies, when companies move into markets, they always bring jobs, you know, following with that. And they're usually, uh, you know, higher paid jobs. So um, we keep an eye on that, you know, kind of population growth. Some of the markets that maybe have overinflated from COVID and from the work at home, uh, you know, I stay a little leery about, to be honest with you. I mean, I think some of that can soften, um, you know, and they've, they've blown up pretty quickly in, in you know, this recent uh, couple of years to three years here. So can it maintain that without the actual jobs being there? <clears throat> you know, I don't know. I'm kind of a little skeptical of it myself. Yeah. So there are your, your kind of usual suspects when the markets start to turn and, and inflation sets in and interest rates start to rise. Um, and some of those markets are in Texas, Arizona, South Carolina, Florida, um, the Sun Belt almost in, in its entirety, um, where you see this crazy bubble and then you see a crazy pop. Um, I believe that there will be attrition in some of these locales. And we know we're, we're talking the same places, right? We know these places yeah. that yeah. where the growth just didn't make sense. And the infrastructure isn't there. There's a lot of problems behind some of the explosive growth. But uh, short of those markets, typically by now, we would have seen these secondary markets and tertiary markets nosediving. I mean, interest rates have been steadily rising for some time. Inflation is out of control. And we would typically see the fire sales starting to occur. Uh, I've been through two of these market shifts already and, and you know, disasters. You, you go into some of these states and it's, it's like uh, you're watching The Walking Dead. Entire complexes, like the boat's still in the driveway keys are on the counter, like wild stuff, right? And there's a hundred homes on a thousand home subdivision, a hundred are built, and there's three people that are still living there. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see that type of up and down in these secondary and emerging markets anymore, um, at least not for the foreseeable future. I do think that it, it will be stable short of these anomaly places where it just made no sense at all. So when you're identifying these deals now uh, and you're looking to, to place money, 
where are you starting? Do you have established dealmaker relationships in market? Um, you know, the people on your, is that part of how you're building out that particular syndication? What does that process look like? Uh, you mean, how, how, how am I choosing the markets now? Is that what you're asking? When, when you're looking to, uh, to find more deals in these emerging markets, yeah. uh, and you've got to get a good sense of conditions on the ground, you don't live there. Um, what are the opportunities? How do you get those either off market or upside deals because they become more and more challenging to get your hands on as more and more investors enter the market? Um, what does that process look like? How how are you do how are you penetrating these new markets? Yes, I mean you have to emerge yourself into the markets. You've uh, you know it's, it can start with a lot of free data that's on that is online. You know citydata.com uh, or city uh, city-data.data.com is a terrific website for anybody who hasn't seen that. That pulls up pretty much every metro in the country. And you can type in small and larger, uh, large and smaller cities. Uh, it brings a tremendous, I mean, pages, uh, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 pages of, of information on that city. Everything from crime rate to population growth to job growth to, uh, you know, demographics of the city and income, you know, uh, and so forth. So there, there's a lot of information. But with that said, it's also a little older information. It it's not current uh, to this year. It's usually only current to maybe a year or two ago. And, but it gives you a good guide. Um, I'll, and then when you're, uh, uh, and you know, when, and then, yeah, if, uh, going to the pro to those uh, markets, you have to spend some time there. You do need to travel. Uh, getting to know the brokers is really key. And anybody that's in the business on boots on the ground there, I mean, the brokers are a tremendous amount of information, right? If you're, no matter where you are, if you're, uh, you know, looking at uh, Oklahoma or, you know, uh, Tulsa or something. I mean, if you get in a conversation with a, an experienced broker in that market, they really can tell you almost everything. They know. They know it down to the, you know, like what happened last week, right, in the market. They're, they uh, they have their, their feelers uh, completely on the market there, and they can tell you cap rates. They can tell you what, what areas of town are, are growing, what areas aren't new companies that are moving in, where the, the path of progress is, where the, uh, you know, they're building the new, you know, downtown or the economic development is, economic development part of them is doing this or doing that or, you know, and so they can fill you in, they can be a big resource. So can title companies, so can, um, you know, escrow, um, you know, any escrow people, the title reps, if you can get connection with a title rep at a title company, you know, there the title reps are. I learned that uh, quite quite a long time ago. That, you know, these title reps, their jobs—they're kind of like the cheerleaders for the title company, right? But they they run around all day, every day, servicing the realtors, and they're trying to get you know brokers to do business with them, right? But they they know exactly what's going on because they actually a lot of times they'll actually even you know with transactions they'll bring you know. Uh, you know, the information or, or pick up stuff and deliver it for them. I mean, they do all kinds of things. So they really do have a kind of a, a, a good contact. They can also provide lists, by the way, a little, uh, anybody looking for a particular market, if you find a market, I mean, the direct mail 
uh, is something that's effective in this kind of economy. When we start to see this type of shift happening, it can be very effective. Title reps can pull lists for you of um, all the you know, multifamily uh, business owners in a particular market, and they can dial it down to even like, you know, big thing going on now, right, is these bridge loans, these, uh, a lot of owners that got into these bridge loans and the rates are going up, right, and, and they, have, they only have a certain amount of time where they got a refi, which could be coming up, you know, this year, next year, not, uh, not in the, this year, next year, but, um, uh, and they can pull a list of all the owners in a certain uh, size or in a certain area that have bridge loans and have bridge loans coming, coming due. They have that kind of information. So guys, that's gold. What Mike <laughs> right. is telling you right now is utter and absolute gold. Yeah. There are a number of folks that got into deals with two and three year terms. They're looking to refi now and they can't candidly. The big banks are still buttoned up. The small to mid cap banks are seeing cash reserves plummet which means they're not lending anymore. In fact, they're not even renewing a lot of the debt they already have on the books. And there's no conduit for those notes that have come due. And what that means is you got a damn good chance that that person is going to listen to you at numbers that they would have laughed at you over a year or two ago when they took that loan, not keep an eye on what was coming up and through direct mail to these highly targeted folks with expiring notes, knowing there's no conduit, is a wonderful, beautiful, very intentional way to um, start discussions with sellers. That's exactly right. Yep. So thank you for, for that bit of information. I started to smile as you went down that path and I'm thinking, yeah, I know where he's going. And man, oh man, is that a powerful tool? It's circumstance, right? Yep. It's uh, it's everything. Uh, and, and your perception of circumstance can change in real estate by the month, literally. So you, you've stacked a lot of assets over the last three years, you know, a lot of assets. Um, what has your philosophy been in acquiring those assets? Were you going longer with your debt? Yes. Um, I mean, the obviously the bridge loans are not making any sense anymore um, and the rates are just incre you know incredibly high and uh, fortunately on our properties we did get some bridge loans but we were always pretty uh, proactive on purchasing the rate caps which has turned to be uh, you know an amazing blessing i mean it's we have properties that had uh, a ten thousand dollar a month interest only payment that are now approaching thirty thousand dollars a month interest only right but we have these rate caps that are paying us back, you know, $15,000 of that. And we'll continue to do so, you know, so that, that puts us in a, you know, in a, it's still, you know, it's still increasing our, our costs with that, but it, it uh, ensures our, uh, you know, that it can't go up any further. But uh, the long-term debt is, um, you know, we, I, I see the, I see interest rates continuing to climb. I think it'll slow down. It'll be, it'll be smaller increases next year. And then hopefully we're thinking the outlook is maybe 2024 where we'll start to see some, you know, some de decline. So um, long-term debt with 
the ability to be able to get out of that debt in at least you know like a three-year time frame right because that's the downside is if you lock in a, a long-term debt at a high interest rate and then to try to get out of that loan and you have these uh, step downs or prepayment penalties then you know they can be harsh it can be it could be a million dollars prepayment penalty to get out of a loan too early, right? So uh, you're either stuck paying this higher interest rate or you have to pay that uh, that, that uh, prepayment penalty. And when you're looking to invest, uh, folks, and you're, you know, every, uh, you've never seen a bad pro forma, right? Everybody's pro formas look wonderful. Everything is all roses. But yeah. this is the detail that matters. Mike hedging and, and, and paying for rate caps, that, that looks... Doesn't look great on the the sheet when you're you're doing your deal and you're raising capital. It's additional expense up front. It's it's less less uh, capital that's available to go into the deal. But that's a, a smart, experienced deal maker understanding what's coming around the, the corner, understanding that this is a cycle. So many people forget that, and your debt has to be structured in a way where you can get to the other side. So. Uh, those bridge deals are fine as long as you've got those rate caps and you've got the hedges in. Um, those of you that locked into long-term debt just before or at the beginning of these increases, great job. Um, and keeping an eye on the prepayment penalties today for when we exit. I agree uh, completely with your timeline. I think as we head into the next presidential uh, election cycle, that's when we'll see these rates start to come back down. But I do think that... Um, for the better part of 2023, we're going to see steady increases that will incrementally decrease over each quarter as we move throughout the year. And that puts us in an interesting position. Um, do you think that the next 12 to 24 months are great times to buy, great times to sell? What are your, what are your, the magic ball? What's it telling you? Yeah, I mean, it's both depending on, again, the kind of loan, you know, if you're into, uh, you know, high, uh, a high interest loan, it's a great time to sell for sure. Uh, I do think that it's a great time to buy, no question about that. Um, you know, uh, I, don't, I don't know that we've hit, you know, bottom here on what we're doing. I don't, I agree with you where I don't see a major crash here, but we are going to see some softening and raising of cap rates and and some you know lowering. Uh, so there's a lot of sellers out there, but they haven't quite uh, you know come to grasp with lowering their prices. Uh, I think as we go into next year, we may see that, and there'll be some terrific buying opportunities. Um, the key is you know keep your pencil sharp and keep your your uh, education sharp, and you know make sure you keep your relationship sharp because. When it does happen, it can happen quick and you have to be able to uh, act quick on the properties, right? Because um, there'll be others that will, will, do, will take it ahead of you. So if you, you have to be ready and, and uh, you know, keep your capital together, keep your investors together, keep your underwriting sharp um, and keep updated, uh, you up to date on the markets. Now, more great advice folks from someone who's in market just smashing right now. Mike, what's the best way for folks to reach out to you? Uh, my website is uh, Grow Cap Today, Grow Cap Today. And for, uh, I have a lot of information on there as well, too. There's some, you know, downloadable ebooks and connect with me on my, uh, with my investor club. And we send out newsletters, uh, you know, information about 
the, the market and, and what's going on. And you also have an ability to schedule a call with me direct uh, from the site as well. Well, I really appreciate the time, the, the candor and the sharing of your expertise and insights. You really gave the audience some great, great points to consider as they continue or embark on this journey. Mike, thank you so much. Thank you, James. Pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Oh, pleasure was mine. Best best of luck. As always, everybody, please stay safe. That was great, Mike. Thank you. Yep. You did it well. You flow, you, you flow it right through there. Keep it. Keep Thank it you. Um, so my folks will put all the links and, and all the information in as we promote. And uh, before we release it, we'll send it to you with all the the you know the links for the different sites there's I think we created one master link that will work on any platform at this point but is there anything um, outside of the website that you want us to promote in particular on uh, the show notes or is is that the best the best way to do this um I mean you know, they can connect with me on all social media but LinkedIn obviously is a good you know uh, is a, a strong connection there as well too and yeah through my website is the best because that way I'm able to connect with them, you know, more long-term. Okay, great. If uh, I can ever be a resource, please don't hesitate to, to reach out and best of luck, man. Yeah. Well, tell me James, just before we hang up, uh, like where, where are you at in the space other than putting on this, this obviously this podcast and you're certainly involved in the industry, no question, but are you also partners with some operators and acquiring or what yeah. raising? What do you do? So, um, we have a few different pathways uh, that we've cultivated over the years. So the mothership always has been the real estate brokerage. Um, so we built a company that's kind of founded on the principle that the game is changing and the seasoned deal makers are losing ground because they can't keep up with this digital onslaught that is required to be a, a, a top flight agent today. So I brought in a CMO um, guy, Peter, who spent a few years over at Apple, and we basically split the company. We've got a digital marketing company, in essence, on one side and a deal-making company on the other. And the agent's um, obligation for lead gen and marketing and all that stuff stops when they drop the file. Like We want to keep them in their gift, which is deal-making. They're not digital marketers. Um, and the older the agent, the more seasoned they are, typically the better they are, the more experience they have, the deeper their book. So my idea is to take this now to a few emerging markets, pick the best in class deal makers there, bring the platform and set up shop in these emerging markets, because that's the only way to get access to the off market deals. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's one side of it uh, from an investment side. Uh, I have holdings from here down to Florida, as far west as New Mexico. Um, I partner with two or three people primarily. Uh, we own everything from shopping centers to a golf course, uh, motels to uh, multifamily. We're not really multifamily guys. It's something that uh, a lot of the questions I asked you were for me because I want to diversify more. I want to do more um, investing in the multifamily space, but I, I, I don't want to uh, 
continue with the model I currently have, which is where it's me and one other. Uh, we have 91 assets in New Mexico, me and one other partner. Now we have a, an infrastructure, of course, but it, it's too demanding. It's just too much. And Are they single, single family mostly? No, uh, shopping centers, motels. Uh, that's where the golf course is. Um, some industrial, uh, some vacant land, um, some single family, but it's it's pretty wide berth. You know, being a broker for most of my life, I wanted to be an expert in everything. When I started to do new construction, I became a licensed expediter. When I started to do fix and flips or selling fix and flips, I became a licensed general uh, home improvement contractor. I, I just had to know the process. So you couldn't yeah. bullshit me in a deal, right? Like I wanted to, yeah, I just, I wanted to know like, you know, and represent my people professionally. And you can't do that if you're ignorant to the process. So I picked up a lot of skill sets as an agent and mm -hmm. started applying it in the investment realm. Um, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago on a small scale and, and really over the last five years at scale, for me at least, it's at scale. Um, but I'm lacking in this space. There's something um, sexy about it for me where I can enter deals, bring my skill set, stay in my lane, put capital in, um, or not, depending on the structure, and and make the deal work, and not have to be in fifty two places at once. Right. Uh, you know, it's it's fun and it's exciting, and it's uh, there certainly is a, a fire that burns to do that. But I'm forty seven now, and uh, I'm starting to look at things a little differently. Like eh, I'm not so sure I want to be doing this when I'm fifty seven. Certainly not when I'm sixty seven. So. Um, I think the multifamilies are going to offer incredible buying opportunities over the next 18 to 24, maybe 12 to 18. And yeah, I want to so. start to enter the space in a meaningful way, you know? Good. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's definitely stay connected for sure. I'm, I don't know if I have you in my database, but I'm going to put you in there. If you get too many emails, feel free to opt out. But No, but please it, do. It, it would connect us at least uh, so you see kind of what I'm doing. We're we're starting a uh, a, a kind of a more of a disaster relief fund uh, next year, starting January, where we're going to raise capital strictly to go into some distressed um, properties, right? And I'm pretty excited about that. So, um, natural disaster, financial. No, no. I shouldn't have said disaster, but distressed. Distressed. Um, yeah, so just property, you know, we feel exactly what you said is, and what we talked about is that coming this next year, we're going to see some, you know, some property, op some operators are just going to run into trouble, and they're going to need money, and they're either going to sell the properties at a fire sale, or they're going to need a cash infusion to keep it going, and so we'll, we'll look at both of that, either purchasing or taking a property that we feel has the potential, but they just ran out of cash, and then we buy in and take a you know a, a strong percentage of the property of the yeah, yeah. you're gonna smash Mike the I saw so many deals over the last few years that I I just yeah. you know these young kids that didn't understand when this cycle turns 
there is no capital available. It's not, oh, we'll just make less money and our third liquidity event won't happen in three years. No. Yeah. Um, experience. It just, you know, they didn't have the experience and, and you look at some of these performers going, you're, you're telling me you're going to decrease expenses by 30% in a market where you have no presence in an inflationary environment. At least I saw the inflation was coming. Mm -hmm. And you're going to raise rents by 50% because you put in a washing machine. Like, right. you know, though the, <laughs> there are anomalies, and, right? Like these things happen, but like it was deal after deal after deal. And I just said, well, this isn't the time for me to enter. <laughs> Let me wait a couple of years and see. But I yeah. think that you'll do really well with that. And best of luck with it, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, James. Yeah, great, great talk with you and terrific meeting you for sure. I think we are cut, cut out of the same card there. I can tell. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'd look forward to uh, some emails from you. And again, if you ever need anything, please don't hesitate. Thank you, James. Be well. Enjoy the holidays. Sure. Thank you very much. You too. Happy holidays. Take care.